Young Israel of Brookline, yibrookline.org. Okay, welcome back, everyone, from our uh, Pesach break. And um, thank you all for coming out tonight. And I think there are a couple people still coming, but we'll, we'll begin. We're first going to have to review just a little bit, um, just to remind everyone sort of where we're up to. So the last time we met, we learned Perak Zion of the book of Ezra. Perak Zion begins the second half of the book. Um, with uh, we meet Ezra, right? So the first six prakam are pre-Ezra, and now uh, we're we're in the lifetime of Ezra. So as we learned last time, Ezra is sort of leading the second wave or second half of waves of people returning, people returning to Eretz Israel. According to Chazal, he's coming very soon after everyone else in the first six prakam. According to other Mephorshim, it's a little bit later, fifty or so years later, and we learned. Last week in Perak Vav, Perik, excuse me, Perak Zion. Perak Zion is mostly about uh, Ezra getting ready to go um, and the permission that he receives from Artach Shasta, which is the Persian king at the time. And he gets an even greater um, uh, license than the previous leaders. He's told you can go uh, strengthen the building of the base of Migdash and build the walls. And he even uh, is granted sort of political power. He says you will be granted, you know, you know, my, as my authority as the Persian king, you will have political power in, in Eretz Yisrael in that area, both in terms of over the Jewish community. So Ezra seems to be going to be supplanting sort of the internal Jewish leadership and also that he's granted authority, you know, uh, vis-a-vis, you know, the Persian government that, you know, you know, he can do whatever he wants and no Persian government can governor can tell him what to do or to charge him taxes or this is what they're, they're going to impale him on the beam of their house if they disagree. right that was said, said if someone does i think it, that's what it said if someone does not listen to ezra yeah. then uh Fitting well him. first knock down their house and then use one of the beams um uh to impale, impale him. yes that's correct all right okay all right so we're now up to parakhet parakhet we're going to be is going to be the journey uh of ezra and his crew to eris israel and of course um, uh, we're going to have, this is a, one of our favorite characteristics of the book of Ezra, another small census, okay? But at least it's not an Aramaic. So, uh, okay, at least uh, we have that going for us. Um, so we'll see there's some differences. We had one census so far, and I think that was Perak Bet of Ezra, of the first group that came up. This census, we'll see, has similarities and differences from that census. So a few differences just to know before we read it. So this census explicitly is only counting adult males. The previous census did not make that stipulation. And I think the Mephorshim journalists from that that was counting both men and women, adult men and women. But not children. I don't think, probably not children, I don't think so. Why here is it specifically males? I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't I can see to explain, but just that is a difference. Another difference is that in Peric Bet, the... What, we didn't just have a number. Everything was divided into families. And it said, this family, 100 people. This family, 200 people. So that will be the same. But one difference in, in Ezra's counting is he will say the family. And then it seems there was one person, a Rosh Beit Av, appointed as the head of the family. And we'll get the name of the head of the family and the number. Generally speaking, there'll be some exceptions. So it'll be the so-and-so family led by... Mr. So-and-so, and with him, X number of adult males. Okay. Is this like, is this like in the, you know, in the Torah when they take a census and it's, 
fighting age men? It's hard to know. It, might, it doesn't say that in the psukim. Again, it seems adult males. So um, I guess that was a typical way of how to, you know, when you were considered an adult. But um, it's something like that. I don't know if it's going to be the exact same age cutoff, but okay. So let's begin the census. The Ela Rashe Avotehem, the Hit Yachasam. And these are the names of the heads of the households, heads of the families. So already there, he's sort of telling you um, it's going to be counted by these leaders. The Hit Yachasam, like Yichas, and their lineages. Ha'olam Emidi, that came up with me. This half of the book is written Ezra in first person. That came up with me again under the reign of Artach Shasta, Adaxerxes. Okay. Um, in Chazal, there is also a stress that Ezra, as opposed to the previous waves, sort of tried his best to, you know, clarify the lineages as much as possible, whatever needed to be clarified. So maybe you see also that implicitly in the Sukkim also, there's sort of more of a stress of uh, getting the right names and the leaders and the lineages. Okay, so who were they? Mibnei Pinchas of the Pinchas Cohen family, Gershom. The leader was Gershom. The Kohanim, for some reason, we don't get the numbers. Mibnei Itamar of the Itamar clan amongst the Kohanim. Daniel, the leader was Daniel. Mibnei David of the house of David, King David. Chatush, the leader was Chatush. So for some reason, those we don't have the numbers. Now we're going to start to get the numbers. Mi b'nei Shechania, mi b'nei Parush Zechariah, of the family of Shechania, either there's no leader named or within that family there's a more focused family, b'nei Parush, the leader was Zechariah. V'imo hityaches la Zecharim meya v'chamishim. And 150 adult males. Mi b'nei Pachas Moab, again, that's that family again, uh, who was known as uh, the governors of Moab. Elia Ho'enai, Interesting name, I mean something like, you know, God is my eyes. Mm-hmm. Ben Zerachia, who was, and he, again, he was, his personal name was Ben Zerachia. Vimon, with him, Matai Mazacharim, 200 males. Nibne Shechania, the Shechania family. Ben Yechaziel, someone who was known as Ben Yechaziel. Vimon Shlishmir Hazacharim, 300 males. He was in Pasakimo. Let's see. Good question. I don't know. So were there two? So you know what? Now I'm even thinking. Yeah. 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 It's starting Yeah. 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 And and unless it's a different Shekhania. Either it's a different Shekhania. This 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 that is something that like this that would pick up on. But now I'm even wondering because again, there's another problem in Pasad Gimel. Okay. There really is a lot. Yes, so I have been. So you can read all these things very carefully and pick up things. So Pasigimel again. There is another promise. It said mi bnei shachania, mi bnei parosh. Right. Seems to be there. Seems to be two families there. Right. So now I'm actually thinking maybe to look about the first one more carefully. Maybe you're right. There are two shachania families. And that's when Gimel it's saying mi bnei shachania the shachania family. That was from the Parush family, meaning that Shekhania family, the Shekhania family of the larger Parush family, was the leader was Zechariah. And in Pasuk, hey, it's just me, B'nai Shekhania, the whatever, the, some other regular Shekhania family, not of the Parush clan. It says Ben. Ben Yechaziel. That, that seems like his name. I don't know. He, 
he was in, I was like, Hellman. He didn't uh, have a first name. Just, uh, <laughs> okay. Rabbi. <laughs> okay, and 300 people. Again, the Adin family, there's something Evid Ben Yonatan. Evid is a name. Apparently, that was a name. That's, that, I don't know. Not such a nice name to name someone, but um, that, that was his name. 50 males. Elam, I believe, is a city in Babel, so that might be um, based on a city, or the person's name was based on a city. Yeshaya ben Atalia, Vimo Shivim Hazacharim. Umi bnei Shafatia, Zavadia ben Michael, Vimo Shmonim Hazacharim. Umi bnei Yoav, Ovadia ben Yechiel, Vimo Matayim, Ushmona Asar Hazacharim. Umi bnei Shlomit ben Yosef Yam. That sounds like a, a female name to me. Um, the family, right, so the family was was named after there was some apparently I guess distinguished woman that the family was named after. Yeah, but I think right that's sort of the uh, yeah that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I guess it's me Bnei Shlomit. Excuse me, the family's name Shlomit, and then the leader was the of that time that was Ben Yosef. Yeah, Bimo Meash Vishishim has a hundred sixty males. Umi Bnei Bevai Zachari Ben Bevai Bimo Asmushmana. Hazacharim, you're almost done here. Umi bnei Azgad, Yochanan ben Hakatan. So again, I'm going to ask Hakatan is a proper name or that was like the nickname of someone. Vimo mea basara Hazacharim. Umi bnei Ado Nikam, Acharonim. And also there was from Ado Nikam, Acharonim, the last one. So we'll, let's, let's finish the puzzle. We'll come back to that word, what that word means. And I guess there were a few leaders of Bnei Adonikam. There was Elifelet, Ye'el, Ushmaya. V'imahem shishim hazacharim was six females. So what does Acharonim mean? So I forget already. Rashi has some purish. If someone has Rashi, they can figure out what Rashi's saying. Rashi says something. The Malvin points out on Yud, Yud Gimel. Yud Gimel. Acharonim. But the, the Malbim points out that, do you have something? What is your, your English might paraphrase Rashi. Yeah. What is it? It, it is. It said that uh, most of the members of this family came during the first wave. These were the last ones. Yeah, no, so I think that's not Rashi. So the Malbim says, the Malbim points out that this family, that Mibnei come you can find in the, in the first, um, in the first wave in, in, in Perak Bet, and Acharonim means, and the last of them, the last of that family, this is one family, actually, that the whole family eventually moved to Eretz Yisrael. So the first wave was within the first, you know, group. And then this was the last of Adonikam. Or it could just mean the second wave of Adonikam, meaning not, not to get confused in all these countings. Okay. Um, yeah. So the other thing to that was, there's, in general, do we count Names of like tens or something like that because most of these are sort of most of them are tens. Yeah, you have this right. You have this question in, in the Torah also. Almost all counties of the Torah, everything is rounded to ten. But I think even in the Torah, there are a few places where um, it's one not. Was yeah, yeah. exactly. To say there was one, there's 118. Yeah, so I don't. You get the sense that there is that they're they're being rounded, but then the question is, why is that one with the with the right. you know. Um, are they running up or down or you know? Yeah, exactly. I, so I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a good question. You know, in both, in both sense, censuses, they 
These are not huge numbers. I mean, not too many people who came. They're not. I was going to say that I didn't add it up, but here it says that if you add up all these numbers, you get uh, a little under 1,800. Now, again, these are adult males, so, you know, maybe double it for, for females and then another one or two groups of that for children. I don't know, but right, but still, it's not going to be thousands, for sure, tens of thousands. Not yeah. like the first it is smaller than the first wave. The first wave, I think we had it was like 40,000 in the 40,000s. So this is less than that. This is probably under 10,000 um, when you add it up. So you're right. It's, it's, it is an interesting point. It's in the Torah. When it gives census, it's, is it intended to be like an exact count? I think there are different opinions. I think traditionally it's assumed it's an exact count. But um, there are probably people who do assume it's rounded. You have the, but you have the same problem in the Torah that... Um, that um, Almost all the numbers are rounded, but there are some that uh, here and there, there are some that are not on a zero for sure and are even more, um, I think in the VM counts, there's, um, I recall, you get these, you know, numbers that are off, not, not on the tens. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, we'll do one more of the numbers. Umi bnei bigvai utai... Bizakor. So they maybe had two leaders, Vito Shiva Mazakharim, and there's 70, 70 males. Okay. All right, so that's it. That's the list. Um Pasitadvav. The Ekbat Sam El Hanahar Haba El Ahava. So when we gather together at the river that goes towards Ahava. In Perak Zion, it already said that the beginnings of the gathering took place on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We encamped there for three days as everyone's getting ready to begin this big journey. And so I studied the people, and the Kohanim, you know, organizing everyone into families. And I found no Levium. Right, so we had a similar thing in the first census there. There's a very, very small amount of Levium. And here, Ezra seems to say he couldn't find any Levium. And we spoke about it. It seems that the Levium, uh, for whatever reason, you know, um, were the least committed of the Jews. And so fewer, fewer came back. Fewer came back. So what is, what is Ezra going to do? He doesn't have any Levium. Now, again, it should be pointed out, there were Levium, to me, so there were Levium in Yushalayim, but he's bothered by, he needs Levium. And part of it seems to be he wanted to come in and sort of take, yeah, apparently things were not being run well in Yushalayim, and he wanted to come in with his new crew. So he wanted to have his own Levium, and, you know, to, to some degree, replace Levium that were in the, in the base of Megiddo. So he didn't want to have to rely on Levium in Yushalayim. So what does he do? So I sent those leaders and two additional people that had the title of Mivinim. Sounds like some sort of scholar. These probably were certain titles at the time. You could be a Rosh, you could be a Mivin. And I sent, I commanded them, I meaning I sent them to this Ido Harosh, a leader named Ido, to the city of Bavel, or in Persia, 
the commentators explained there was a chasifia that was a city and a chasifia that was a river. So that's what means chasifia hamakom, meaning the place chasifia. Vaasima befiham devarim, and I gave them the following message: Ladaber el ido to tell ido, achiv hanitinim and his brothers the nitinim that again was the class of people that worked in the Beit Hamikdash, the chasifia hamakom again that lived in the place chasifia. To round up some people, meaning Leviim in particular, to, to send us, to take with us, to go with us to, to Eretz Lanu They were able to bring to us with, uh, you know, uh, as the hand of God was good upon us. That was a phrase that, if you recall, appeared a few times in the previous parak. Ish Sachel, a wise man. Again, here we see, again, the continuation of the theme. We're sort of moving from the prophets to the scholars, right? Ezra, part of what was revolution about Ezra was he's, you know, he's known as, you know, the scholar and scribe. He's, he's, he's not a prophet. So a wise man, Mibnei Machli, right? That's one of the Levi families in the Torah. Ben Levi, Ben Yisrael. Okay, and who was that? The Sherevia, his name was Sherevia. Ubanav Echav, and all of his sons and brothers, Shmon Asar, so a group of 18 Levian. Ve'et Chashavya, Vito Yeshaya, and also two other distinguished Levian, Chashavya and Yeshaya, Mibnei Merari, of the Merari family, Achav Ubanahem Esrim, and they had 20 male Levian. So 18 and 20, 38, 38 male Levian. That's what they got together. Umin HaNetinim, Shonatan David, and of the Nitinim, that class that David appointed, and the officers in charge of the work of the Nitinim, Matayim Vasrim, another 220, so 220 Nitinim. And they were all listed by name, not, not included here. Okay, so they didn't have any Levium. And um, so he sends word to some city where he knows Levium live, I guess. And uh, they, they're able to scrounge up 38. Levim to come with them, All right? Very small numbers, very small numbers. Okay. So can I ask you, it sounds like this, if that's true, is he saying that in retrospect, that having arrived into the land, or is he... No, they haven't left yet. They so, haven't left yet. So, so, the, so what's, what's, the scene? what's the scene? So they're sending out word. Ezra, he's this great leader in Bavel. I'm leaving for Eretz Yisrael. I encourage everyone to come with me. I'm gathering together. And it's not the most organized thing. Yeah. And he announces that on such and such date, we're going to meet at the gathering place near the river that goes to Ahava. Uh-huh. And there's this whole crowd there. It's a few thousand people, right? And so it takes a few days. They're, you know, or- organizing everyone. He doesn't know exactly who's there, who's not. Mm-hmm. And after three days, he realizes they're no Levian. Uh-huh. So, but, so before they, they set out on the journey, uh-huh. he says, we need some Levian. And okay. so they quickly send word to... So there's a slight delay before they actually yes. embark, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right. Okay. So there's one very interesting Rashi in Masachas Kedushin. The Gemara is discussing these psukim a little bit. So if you if you go back, turn to page two that you have. We'll just read this one Rashi. Va'avina um, ba'am. So again, that's that pasuk that he's uh, right investigating the people. Mihaya milohaya. He's looking into who's there, who's not there. Shema mina, this is relevant for the, the context of the Gemara. When we see from here, lo yada Ezra mi alayimo. You didn't know at first who, who exactly was there. Umi lo alayimo, who did not come. The savar shayu sham levim He was expecting there to be levim there. 
Now, this is Rashi's interpretation. I don't know that this appears in any earlier source. Velo la'avoda. Rashi says there actually were some Levium there, but there were no Levium fit to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Why were there Levium who were not fit to serve in the Beis HaMikdash? Lo matza ruim la'avoda. Elamei osan shekitsu bahonos yedehen b'shinehem. There's this medrash. People know this medrash on on uh, Al Naharos Babel. How does the pasuk go? Sham Yashavnu, Gamba Tinu. And what say? We inked our harps on the uh, on the what's willows. It? The willows. Right. Yeah. So right. So the medrash says that they were the leave. They're being marched by the Muchanetzer towards Babel along the rivers, and they at first, you know, Levim had taken with them their precious musical instruments from the base of Migdash, and then they're being ordered, you know, to mock them to sing the songs of the base of Migdash on the instruments. So they can't bring them to Zila, so they leave the instruments on the, you know, on the trees as they're going down the river. And on top of that, they cut off their thumbs, so they won't be able to play the instruments, so they can't be asked to play them. And then it's kind of graphic, according to one measure, Rashi says they, they, they bit off their thumbs. That's what literally Rashi is. Uh, so, so what happens? So some of those Levium were present. Shekitsu bahono yedem b'shineyem. But Amru Rashi's referencing that, that medrash. Eich nashir at shir Hashem, right? That's a passage from Al Naharos Baba. How can we sing the songs of God? The Mizmor Al Naharot Babel, right? Which appears there. Shamar Laham Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar told them, Shirulano Mishir Tzion, right? That's a passage in the Perak of Jalem. Sing us the songs of Zion. Amdu Vakatsu Bahono Yudeya Bishinayim, so they cut off their thumbs. But Amru then they said to him, Eich nashir at shir Hashem, Al Admat Nechar, how can we sing the songs of God on foreign land? Lo nashir, lo namar. It doesn't say we cannot sing. How can we sing? Meaning, as the matter is talking, how can we do it? We don't have the ability anymore to play the strings of the harps. So Rashi says, and there's a reason why Rashi is saying this, but I don't know what appears before Rashi. So some of those Levium came with Ezra. Now this is assuming like Chazal, that Ezra is basically right after the first wave. If there's another 50 years, probably none of these would be able to get alive, but assuming like Chazal, that it's a brief for a break. So some of those Levim came up. And there were no kosher Levim. So Ezra says, we need kosher Levim. Now this is also what's very interesting, how Rashi imagines it. Why did no kosher Levim come up? In Bavel, it was they had a relatively easy and good life. The Ha'olim Yushalayim and those going up to Yushalayim, Hayu Ba'oni were poor, Uba Torah Hamlacha had to work hard, Uba Amas Kol Sevivo Seha, and were, you know, living in fear from the other people surrounding them. So it was hard to convince people um, to come. So, um, you know, uh, even if we uh, assume like there were no Levium, the simple reading of the Pesukim, but it, sort of Rashi's you know, uh, explanation, we can certainly, uh, you know, imagine that was true. So, that's it's interesting, a Rashi. Difficult life there. And it, it took it to, to go up. Yeah. yeah. And even as to travel, right? We, again, right. Chris Perkins said it took them from Nissan to Av. So, you know, you're walking. Or, uh, well, it's the same thing in the early days of the state of Israel. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, go back to Perkins. So we're up to Pasuk Chaf Aleph. 
Ve'ekrasham tzom, al hanahar ahava. And so we're all there, imagining any of this big crowd of thousands of people sleeping outside in tents, whatever it is, they're getting ready to embark on the journey. And so Ezra declares a fast. Lehita no lifnei to fast before God. Levakesh mimeno derech yeshara, and to pray for literally a straight path. Lanu ulatapenu for ourselves, for our children, and for all of our belongings. And we saw this briefly previous time. Kiboshi, because Ezra says, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to ask the Persian king for some sort of military escort. To help us from our enemies on the journey. Because we had told the king, Yada lokenu al komevakshav litova. Our God um, will protect all those who uh, you know seek Him and pray to Him. Vuzo vaapo al kol ozvav, and His strength and fury goes upon those who forsake Him, who leave Him. And, and I think we discussed last time. This is a hint of sort of how Ezra maybe had convinced him in the first place to let us go. Right? He said, "Let us go." We'll, we'll bring sacrifices for you, Artaf Shasta, and our God is a good God to have on your side, um, uh, and you don't want to anger our God and so forth. So, so, so you know, the, the whole point was you should trust our God. He's the most, he's the most powerful God of all the gods. So he, Ezra felt he couldn't then ask, oh, but we need to be protected because he said, well, what do you mean? You're telling me that... Uh, so, but, but in reality, they are scared. Right. And so, and so they declare a fast to God. Vanatsuma, vanavaksha alzos. And so we we fasted and we prayed for this. Now this is probably reflecting afterwards. And thank God, thankfully, God answered our prayers. I mean, He did protect us. He did protect us. We're going to see in a little bit some more of the language, and it's you know to. To some degree, this is the source for the concept of Tfilah Saderach. I mean, you see from here that sort of, uh, I mean, maybe we figured out anyways, but that traveling is dangerous, but you, hear, you see a source in Tanakh oh, of praying for you travel. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll see, there are going to be clear echoes in Tfilah Saderach. You'll recognize it immediately um, from some of these psukim. Okay. But which actually, was Ezra, well, the, the, when did they institute the concept of actually making brachas for things like and uh, gratitude. So I believe the Rambam so writes. Is it around the time that, of Ezra? Because they would, there would you have a, co- a correspondence. The Rambam, the Rambam does write that. I think others assume it was a little bit later. But um, uh, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that is this time, right? The beginning of uh, the second base of Migdash. So it seems like there was like a move to... It definitely know, is. It, yeah, that is correct. That is correct. Okay. Now, interestingly, another point, Ezra says, I also separated and appointed from amongst, you know, the officers, the leaders of the Kohanim. I picked 12 Kohanim. And also I took Sherevia and Chashavia. Those were two of the Levian leaders. And 10 of their brothers. So you have 12 Kohanim and 12 Levian. And I weighed out to them all the silver and gold and all the precious vessels that were donated to, to be for the base of Megdash. That was donated by the king and his advisors. 
also donated by the Jews of Persia. And we weighed out the silver. Kikarim, 650 talents of silver. And the silver vessels uh, weighed 100 talents. Presumably these are, are uh, you know, that's rounding. I assume the weights, that the, I assume at least. Zahav Me'akikar and also gold was 100 talents. They, they have here, at least according to this, um, uh, Pirish, what that means in kilograms. If you are curious to remember, we, someone was asking about this. What pasuk are we up to? So it says 650 talents would be 22,000 kilograms. I honestly have no idea what that means. Um, uh, That's uh, 55,000, 60,000 pounds. Wow. That's 60,000, isn't it, William? No. How many kilograms? 22,000. 22,000 kilograms. It's about 40, 40,000 pounds. So, yeah, I didn't So, 50,000 pounds of silver. So, 50 tons. So, how does that, that's like a really How many people? 50,000. Would be about 50,000. So how much does that, and how much does silver weigh? I mean, how much silver are we talking about? Well, uh, it doesn't volume. matter. Oh, how much volume? I'm just curious to so imagine. Like, I mean, uh, this, an ounce mean? of silver, I have a little bar home from when I was a kid. An ounce of silver is about two inches by an inch and a half by about, you know, a third of an inch. It's heavy. It's a metal. I mean, 22,000 would be a couple of, you know, SUVs. I mean, a couple of truck bowls. You think that much? Well, I mean, a couple of... SUVs or something. I mean, it's a lot of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably had some wagons. Yeah, like these are. I'd be a lot of. These are silver uh, vessels. Well, so there's both. There's silver and silver. Saying, this isn't solid silver. Volume. These are right. Correct. So, so, so the volume, volume, volume is going to be right. Much bulkier. Not, yeah, not yeah, how much cubic volume? What is the cubic volume of a of a ton of silver? The cubic volume. This would be a great article for the youngest for like Torah journal. That's what's on the They've already doing something on Shirim already in in the uh, Yeshiva University. Oh yeah, news, they did a thing on Shirim. So, uh, so, so the logi- logistical difficulties. So, so the value of that silver would be about twelve point six million dollars in today's currency. Yeah. Okay, so that's like reasonable, meaning it's not, you know. But it's uh, 24 guys here that are. Well, they're in charge. I don't know if they're carrying all of it. They're, they're in charge of it. Yeah, is around 0.1 cubic meters. It's not actually that big of an amount of silver to carry around. So how much would it be? One cubic is one meter. A tenth of a cubic meter is 10 centimeters on a side. It's, it's a, it's, that's no way. That, and how many of them? So it's a little bigger than that on the side. So it'd be, let's see. Uh, a meter is around the, uh, yeah. Three and a half meters. It, yeah, so a cubic meter is around uh, three feet, but um, a, tenth so of a, meter. a tenth of a cubic meter means that it's that a cubic meter, so it's 0.1 cube rooted for the side, like the side. So that's going to be around 0.3, and then uh, give me a second, point, so it's a half meter on a side, roughly. 
that was all of it, or that was a ton? A ton. For a ton. They have 22 and, and they have, tons. And they have 22 tons. So it's right. uh, so 22 tons. Half is 10 meters. So about 15 by 15. So no. 10 meters. Well, let's well, think about 22. So how much is one? How much is one? So it's half one, a meter, a cube of one. So, so, yeah, so the, the total, you know, if you made a cube of this thing, mm -hmm. this is just mental math here. Yeah. I'm guessing it'd be around 30 feet on a side. Wow. So this is like what? This is about a 35 foot. So with this yeah. room full of silver? Silver, yeah. yeah. That seems like a lot. Selling <laughs> <laughs> it's not so unreasonable as a big amount. I'm not sure. I have to check that now. It was solid, like a vessel. Vessel is a piece. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, silver, though. Really no, no, that's right. silver. Right. Yeah, that's, that's silver, silver and there's silver vessels. Okay, so well, I'd be interested if we we can we can double check. Okay. 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 Yeah, but it's still it's, it's still it's still reasonable. I mean, if you would have told me the size of this building, no, that that then that building weighs a lot. I mean, it's, that's that that's you know. Yeah, a room full of silver, you know, tens of millions of dollars doesn't seem like that. So you think ten wagons could ten wagons could carry this room full? Is that I don't know. You, more twenty you know, wagons more because the axles it might fit, but the axles couldn't support that. You know? so it's a lot of weight. So, yes, now the next problem is how, how much wagon, wagon hold? This is exactly why axle the, the, the sheer strength of an axle. Sabbaticals, right? Two thousand years ago. Okay. All right. So let's try to get through a little more of the uh, a little more of the, um, the description here. Okay. So we're up to, but very interesting. We're up to I think Chavzayin now. Ukipore Zahav Esrim, some sort of golden vessel. Bowls, twenty golden bowls. Laad laadar konim alef. Adar konim is a was a kind of coin, so the equivalent of a thousand of these golden coins. Uklein achoshim mutzav tova, certain sort of copper vessels, but that were you know so polished and bright, you know, it was like golden. Then there's a very difficult phrase here. We're not exactly mishnayim chamudot kazahav. Can't mean two. It just means two or of second quality. I don't know. Again, beautiful light gold. Okay, some sort of copper vessels. Okay, so now Ezra's now talking. And I said to these group of 12 quadrant 12 Levim, Atem Kodesh Lashem, you are holy to God. These are holy vessels. And the silver and gold is a, is a gift. To God, the God of our fathers. Be extremely careful and guard this. Until we'll weigh it again when we get to the officers of the corner of the Vim, and the other leaders of Israel in Yushalayim. In the offices of the base of Megdash. Exactly. This is, you, know, you should, uh, you, I'm sure Jeffrey, you appreciate this also, meaning everything, all the money that comes in should be signed. Interesting. I hear, I hear. I guess a little bit stressing, like, or um, putting responsibility on you. Like, this is, don't, don't, uh, don't steal from your guy. Exactly. Exactly. I, but you're right. That is interesting because uh, otherwise it is strange. That, that, that's a very good point. Thank you, Wayne. They kiblu akonim valavim. They accepted upon themselves this responsibility. Mishkal akesav azahav akelim. The weight of the pure silver and gold, meaning the gold, silver and gold pieces, akelim and the vessels. Laviu shalayim lebeta lokeinu to bring to shalayim to the house of our God. Okay, they say they're going to do it. Okay. Lamed aleph. 
And so we begin the actual travel from the encampment at the Ahava River. When do they begin the, the traveling? The 12th of the first month of Nisan, so three days before Pesach. And many assume that, again, that was symbolic. Again, Yushalayim is the exodus, you know, leaving the foreign land to Israel. So they're beginning their journey from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael right around Pesach time. So they had to pause for Chag. You're right. They would have to, yeah. Yeah, they would. Don't ask me if they have one or two days, but uh, <laughs> but Lokenu Haita Aleinu, but Hashem protected us. Now listen to this. Vayatsilenu Mikaf Orev Oyev Orev Aladera. Right, that, right, that, just right, right. Yeah. So and God saved us from the hands of our enemy and our and uh, you know those lying wait against us. Right. Exactly right. Doesn't we don't have that, but um, right. So that so it make right it makes sense. It's, you know uh, you know next time we reach Filsadera, we'll uh, we'll appreciate a little more. Vanavoyu Shalayim. Then we eventually made it to Shalayim. Again, the previous parakel said that was on Rosh Chodesh Av. They arrived in Anushan Rosh Chodesh Av. Vanesh Shami Yamim Shalshan. Similarly, when they get there, there's sort of three days of like just sort of unpacking and like you know at the um, at the campsite. And then, Ubayom Haribi, on the fourth day, Nishkala Kasav Azahav, we weighed the silver and gold. Vachelim and all the vessels, Beveta Lakeno in the base of English. Al Yad Muremot Ben Uriah HaKohen, that was apparently the leader, leading Kohen at the time in, in Yushalayim. Vimo Elazar Ben Pinchas and his assistant, that Kohen. Vimahem Yozavad Ben Yeshua, Vinoadia Ben Binoy HaLevim, and those were the two head Levim at the time. And it had the appropriate number and weight for everything. And then they wrote it down. You know, in Yushalayim, this was all donated with, you know, Ezra and his group when they arrived. Okay. Any questions or comments on that? Uh, yeah, I just thought, I was just thinking, um, the, the actual, like, Kadoshim, like the menorah, and that were yeah, were never in the second temple. That's one of the differences. No, no, they had, they had they, the, the they menorah. The, yeah, yeah. What was the Aro? They didn't have the, the Aro. They didn't have the Aro, and uh, you know the miracles didn't occur. But uh, those vessels. Didn't so those were the those were exclusively taken away to Babel, and then I heard that the Romans conquered. Well, so I'm, I'm not sure if it right. So. Again, the, in Ezra, it keeps talking about the vessels, but it never talks specifically about those very special vessels. Yeah. Um, it's unclear. It talks about the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash several times yeah. that Nebuchadnezzar were taken and put in his temple where they brought back. So it's unclear, though, if they brought back those very special vessels or we're just talking about the bowls and knives. Yeah, and which those... they enumerate. But, but like the, the things that are in the sacred, like the... The, the the table and the altar and, and yeah so either either those were brought back again according to the midrashim you know those were at the party of Ahasuerus so either those were brought back or if they did weren't brought back then they they built new ones so they oh they really oh they did yeah you could do that yeah yeah but the original sure. ones were, were were have never been really seen since uh, we think that like right and then the question Rome is then the question or, is where, what happened yeah again four or five hundred years later when the second Beit Hamikdash destroyed what happened to them so 
again, the arch of Titus, the, there, there's right. a picture right. they, of them carrying back the menorah. There yeah. must have been a menorah. So I think, I think all historians assume the menorah did go to Rome. And then just the question is, what happened? So I don't know the history of And it was you know, the original Rome, menorah. You know, Rome was conquered by, you know, like uh, the Visigoths yeah. or something. Am I, am but it, I was, it, was, it, was, it was the original. They did not make a second menorah. Well, no, that I don't know. It was the menorah from the base of Migdash, from the second base of Migdash. But if that was the same menorah from the first base of Migdash, I don't necessarily The thing is, the menorah had a special fabrication. It was not made like, like they say, like Moshe threw it in. It was, yeah. He couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah, so it's very hard to make a ritual. That is correct. That's correct. Okay, we'll see these last two pesukim of Parachet. I always see the print more than we can do. I'm always, you know. Okay. So Pasuk Lamedhei says, "Habaim mehashvi," and those that came back from the captivity, meaning from Babel, b'nei Agola, the people of the exile. So they came back. He krivu olot leloke Yisrael, and they brought burnt offerings. Offerings that were, you know, that go up to God. Harim Shnemasar Al Kol Yisrael, twelve bulls for the twelve tribes. And again, that's interesting because uh, most of the ten tribes sort of were, you know, disappeared, but they still identified that there were twelve tribes, and there probably were some members of all twelve tribes. So twelve bulls, Elim Tishim ninety rams, Shishak Vasim. I'm not sure, is that Shisha or should that be Shishim? Got a mistake. In the, in the, in the uh, in where I print this out from. No, no, it's not a mistake. Okay, Shisha Kfasim. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Aileen. I didn't know I was not reading that right. Aileen, Tisha Vishisha, Tishim Vishisha, 96 rams. Kvasim, Shivim Vishiva, sheep, 77. Sfire Chatat, goats for sin offerings. Shnei Masar, 12. Hakol Ola Hashem, all burnt and that went up to God. Now, in the first wave, or not actually in the first wave, in Perak Hay, in the, in the previous wave, pre-Ezra time, that generation had brought a similar grouping of Karbanos when they first inaugurated the building. So on the one hand, Ezra seems to be redoing it. If you look, the numbers of animals are not exactly the same. But he seems to be redoing it. They seem to be re-inaugurating the base of Megdash. Because again, sense seems to be Ezra feels they didn't do it right the first time. And we're sort of starting again. Again. Okay. So that's one point to be made. Um, but then there's a question. There's a problem in this puzzle. I'll let everyone look carefully. You have to know a little bit about Carbanos. But there's a problem in this puzzle. The last phrase or two. It says, okay, we've got the bulls, the rams, the sheep. Then it says, twelve chatat offerings, hakol ola lashem, all, but ola means a burnt offering. Right, wait, but a chatat isn't, a, isn't an ola, a chatat is, except on Yom Kippur, a chatat is... Ah, oh, you're right, so, let's, so a regular chatat, a regular sin offering, is not totally burnt, just the fats are burnt, part of the parts of the animal that we wouldn't eat anyway. Then the, and then the kohanim eat the meat. So the master question, what do you mean, hakol ola lashem? You just said 12 were sin offerings, right? Sin offerings are not burnt. So the question is, ah, no, but some sin offerings are burnt. So there's the regular sin offering whose blood is sprinkled on the outer altar. And then there are things called chato pnimiot, sin offerings whose blood would be sprinkled 
inside the sanctuary, on the inner altar and on the and on the curtain, and even sometimes in the Kodesh Hakodesh. So, what sin offerings were were offered in that way? So the, the sin offerings on Yom Kippur, okay. But also, additionally, there were special sin offerings. If I don't remember all the details, but basically, if the whole um, if the whole of Israel, the nation, sins uh, off, does a vodazara, or there's a, an error, the mistake of, of the uh, of the Sanhedrin, and I'm forgetting some of the details now. But basically, there's special sin offerings. If let's say there'd be such a grave sin that the majority of Israel would commit idolatry, so there's a special sin offering for uh, for that, and it's similar to the carbon chata of Yom Kippur. Who's, and it's, those special sin offerings are special in two ways. One, their blood is sprinkled inside the sanctuary. And two, they're not eaten at all. And even the meat is burned. The Gemara means that, um, that it was the inner burnt sin offerings that were totally burnt. And why were they? Because they were bringing these sin offerings for the idolatry, this is the way the Gemara parts it, that the nation had committed that was the original reason why the base of was destroyed and they're exiled to Babel. And now, as we're seeing, we're coming back and we're atoning for, for that sin. And so, therefore, it's appropriate to bring um, uh, such sin offerings. Okay. Let's read one more pasuk. Vayitnu et datei hamelech laachash darpenei hamelech upachavot eivar hanahar and we gave the edicts of the king. Remember, the king had, you know, said, you know, I'm, I'm empowering you, both within the Jewish community and also, you know, that you should be independent. And uh, the Persian governors, you know, um, uh, you know, can't legislate upon you or tax you. So he came and sort of gave, gave those get-out-of-jail-free cards to the Persian, you know, governors, whatever the positions are, of Abraham, of the other side of the river, and in fact, they, meaning these Persian officers, they lifted up the people, they supported us, and they um, helped us lift up uh, the base of Mekdash. There's another thing that's funny about these Korbanot, you know, offerings, you know, just generally there's other... Things. Could be, that those are the, you know, grain offerings also might have been, there are just like accompaniment to our offerings. So it could be that with these animals, there were also libations and also flower offerings, but they're just not listed because they're sort of the accompaniment. All right, isn't the, the Sanhedrin, if they issue a ruling that is uh, completely false or something, like it's not correct, then they have to bring that kind of a... That's another example. If the Sanhedrin themselves realize we made a mistake yeah, and people followed it, there's a special is, sacrifice is for that. Is that the similar kind? Yeah, that, I think just this is... Is, there's, that, there's one even a, no, is that one... Or no, I don't think any of these. No, no. I think it's just even more unique because this is if they make a. I think there's even a, a more specific carbon if their error had something to do with the realm of Avodazara. Yeah, me that they said a certain kind of worship is permitted. And yeah, then they change their mind and realize actually no. That thank you, Rabbi. So, uh, all right, we will. Uh, two weeks. Oh, uh, there's a board meeting next week. So, by the way, it's a lot less silver. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's four feet cubed. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Four, yeah. one and a half meters of Okay, so that's no, even more recent. It just makes me impressive how heavy silver Actually, I didn't right. write it. Yeah.
And the gold is about like one and a half feet. And this is pissed off. Awesome. Well, yeah, okay. I think they say like half of the entire gold ever mined in the history of human beings has been mined in the past hundred years. Really? It's just on using recycled gold, you know, for their jewelry, their fine jewelry. Like they won't mine. It's like the kind of like the blood diamond yeah. thing. A little bit. They don't want to. They don't want to take in more.